You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, Tennis.com podcast, the podcast from Paris. Once again, I'm Ed McGrogan talking with Pete Bodo out at Roland Garros, and I wanted to get together, uh, Pete, with you to just talk about what's become one of the stories of this tournament is Tommy Robredo. I mean, that just that should make you kind of wonder what's going on with this tournament to even have him be a, a big discussion point. But for the third straight match, he's come from two sets to love down to win. Um, the, the statisticians, amateur statisticians on Twitter were looking it up. It's only um, first time that's happened in, in tennis in almost a century, really. And yeah, I'd like to say we got the scoop on this story, but we actually, you actually wrote Robredo's by far his easiest match, which is a one, two, and three win in his first round. Thank um, God. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So uh, since then, he's beaten um, Sizzling, um, Monfils, and now Almagro, all from two sets down. I mean, what's kind of your just instant sort of take on this reaction? Well, clearly my having written about him and talked to him a little bit uh, made a big difference, and he's on fire, and he's going to win this tournament. <laughs> you know, just, you know, in, in, all, in all seriousness. Well, look, I mean, the guy has, he's one of those guys who's always done his due diligence. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a hard worker. He's all in when it comes to tennis. You know, you've never heard him, you know, well, gee, I want to do something else. I want to go and, uh, you know, open a restaurant. I want to have a hotel. None of that. You know, I mean, unlike, say, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who got a little bit lost in a funhouse. So, Robredo is really more along the sort of the doll model in terms of stay focused, do what you got to do, loves the game, loves playing, loves to compete. And this is, I think this is kind of his payoff for, for fundamentally spending a career with that kind of fidelity and passion. Yeah, and, you know, today, once again, he, he just showed off, um, you know, obviously all that you just talked about there, kind of determination from keeping his career going, trying to work his way back up the rankings. And, of course, when he was down in these, you know, this latest match, the same thing. Um, I mean, I think if, if Robredo is kind of that overachiever, perhaps some people might say, you know, Almagro, who he beat, is probably really the underachiever in this uh, sort of you know, dichotomy here. You know, Amagro, when I was watching the match, he was up two sets and 4-1. He also had breaks of serve lead in the fourth and fifth sets. Every time the lead collapsed, obviously, um, all the sets were 6-4 at the end, too. It wasn't like it was uh, taken to tiebreakers and kind of eked one out. Robredo just really turned the tide on each opportunity. Almagro, you know, his the speed of his shots, I think, really suffered as this match grew on. And, and you know, for him, I know an issue has always kind of been fitness, and but really to more it was me that you know, this guy has always had an issue kind of mentally keeping it together, but he really outdid himself here with just a total collapse. Well, yeah, you hate to see that happen, but, you know, it's a train wreck that you could have seen coming because that train's been tilted on the tracks a number of times, you know, in the past, in a recent past, going around curves on two wheels. So, you know, it's <clears throat> you know it's a pity. You hate to see anybody, you know, have to suffer a humiliating defeat like this. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, Robredo is is a fighter. You know, he's, you know, I can't help but bring up the other Tommy now. We've got a dual Tommy story going here. We yeah, saw what he did. Exactly. We saw what he did the other day with Isner and how he's come back in his matches. And, and you know, I, I think, uh, you know, in a funny way, I think there's a rub-off effect there, even if these guys don't think about it so much. It's when Tommy Haas has broken new ground for a 34-year-old. Now he's 35, actually. Uh, I think, you know, everyone knew what he was doing. Every, you know, a guy like Robredo had to look at that and say, yeah, gee, you know, I'm past 32. But you know what? If he can do it, I can do it, too. I really think that had an effect on him. Yeah, I was actually just going to get into this 
30-something thing again here, and you bring up Haas as another great example. I mean, uh, Robredo, actually, he was the first player on a pro, a first player I ever saw play a pro match. This was over the 2005 U.S. Open. He ended up playing someone who also made his name at Roland Garros, Gustavo Caraton. And I, I saw them, that's eight years ago now, and Robredo at the time probably 23, I want to guess 24 at the most. And, you know, like you're saying here, this is just, I think, the latest example we're seeing of these over 30 players still not just surviving, but really thriving in this environment of the tour tour where you're not seeing the teenagers, you know, as as was the case maybe a decade ago throughout the ranks. Obviously, you have Federer is the best example, but even guys like Mikhail Yuzny, he's still in the draw here. I mean, you know, what is going on here where this has become the norm now instead of the exception? Well, my opinion is that it's that has a lot to do, almost everything to do with fitness. I mean, look, you know, a number of years ago, these guys would, you know, get to a certain point in their careers, where, where, you know, in, in, in a hierarchy, wherever that was, near the top, you know, top 20, middle of the rank, whatever. But they would essentially stop growing in every sense of the word, both stylistically, technically, and also physiologically in terms of their fitness and stuff. But now more and more, these guys, you know, there's, there's in fact an emphasis on fitness. It's a little bit like I think golf has gone through something very similar. I'm not a big golf fan or a big golf watcher, but I know that these guys, I'm always surprised when I hear or read that, you know, so-and-so, this golfer, you know, has is, is been spending four hours a day in a gym, I'm thinking, why does he need to do that for? He's a golfer. Yet the poof is in a pudding. These guys no longer have like the front porch hanging over the uh, their white belt in golf, and and they're getting stronger. And I think this is really rubbed off in tennis too. So I think that's been the biggest factor is that these guys, even at 31 and 32 and 34 years old, they know they've got to get into that gym, and they know that if they do, they can keep up their games and keep up their physique and compete at a high level at this age. Last thing, I'll, I'll just end with this. I mean, uh, Robredo, he'll go on to play Ferrer. Now, Ferrer, on the other hand, he hasn't dropped one set this entire tournament. Robredo, of course, has dropped six, but has won his way into the quarterfinals. Um, in that, in this latest all-Spanish one, do you give um, Robredo any shot against Ferrer? Well, look, it's gonna, it's an unbelievably tough ask. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be awfully tired, and Ferrer is really, really playing on fire. I mean, the guy is really playing well, and when he's playing well, he's very, very tough to beat. I think, I you know, unfortunately, Ferrer also has had trouble closing out matches, and so I think like Almagro, but um, I think uh, you know a different level, different order of magnitude, of course. But I think um, if if he has any trouble closing out Robredo in, in in three or four sets or two, uh, you know we may we all may see a comeback. We, all bets are off. We may see another Robredo surviving another five setter. It's a real long yeah. shot, though. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, we'll let you get back out there, Pete. Uh, thanks. For One other note up. here, Ed. Just you know, our leaders probably might be you know interested in this, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt around saying that the doll is you know, uh, more hurt than he's letting letting on to and that he's just kind of, you know, if you watch him closely in his movement and stuff, he's he's not moving like he used to. Uh, there's some concern here that the guy might be playing hurt and just playing close to his vest. I don't, not sure I believe that. I haven't watched him real closely since I started picking up some of these rumors, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how things develop. Good. Any more rumors, let us know. I uh, I mean, it would sort of make sense when you talk about what Nadal has has and hasn't done in his first three matches here. I mean, especially the first couple. So, some to watch out for tomorrow, of course, um, in his fourth rounder. So, we'll talk then again um, on the podcast. Good deal. 
You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.